Unspoken Issues. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the Unspoken Issues podcast. I am Jesse Starcher, and of course, I am joined by none other than Chris Armstrong. Chris Armstrong, how are you doing? Did you have a good Thanksgiving, man? Oh, yeah. I ate uh, too much, as is the tradition for Thanksgiving, so (laughs) all is well. Good. Well, all right. So we threw this poll out a long, long time ago to our friends over on the Unspoken Issues podcast Facebook page. I got it in my head. I was like, man, we got to throw out a poll there. Let's do a cyborg battle. Love a cyborg. Here's what I threw out. I, I came up with four choices. Here are the results. So running from bottom to top, Youngblood Strike File, number one, which featured Die Hard on the cover. Um, that got two votes. And then, uh, so that was issue number one, Youngblood Strike File, number one. Deathlock, number one, gets a total of five votes. And then Superman, number 79. Now, if I remember correctly, the cover of this has uh, the cyborg Superman, which I think is Hank Henshaw, uh, mm-hmm. standing there with the the American flag. And this, is, of course, has <laughs> taken place right in the heart of Reign of the Superman, if I remember correctly. That one ended up getting a total of seven votes. Super Patriot number one. That ends up being our winner by a lot. So Super Patriot, (laughs) Super Patriot you said you had the trade there that featured the first appearance of right. Super Patriot. What? His, tell me again. His first appearance would technically be Savage Dragon number one, um, as he appears as part of like a news story where he was like attacked as uh, before he became a cyborg. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then issue two, he returns in his full cyborg glory and fights Dragon. Well, Super Patriot number one took the poll by storm with a total of twenty-two votes. That's a hey. lot. Hey. A lot. So I could, I, I think some people were reaching out to others saying, hey, I want to hear you talk about Super Patriot. <laughs> I funny. like it. I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. So, you know, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but that Youngblood Strike File issue, although I don't th- I don't know about no- issue number one, but issues two and three feature Die Hard versus Super Patriot. So that would have also been a chance oh, wow. to see Super Patriot in action. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So Super Patriot number one, this comes out July of 1993, according to the bottom of the inside cover here created by eric larson of savage dragon fame and also scripted by eric larson plotted and uh it has plotter and storyteller keith giffen uh do you know much about keith giffen i think to me anyway he's most famous for his justice league run the wahaha uh justice league oh okay <laughs> yep. Gold and blue beetle and guy gar and all that crew but he's done a lot of stuff and a variety of stuff he did he's done some cosmic marvel and some cosmic dc stuff he's kind of i think done a little bit of everything it seems like in superhero comics Here's here's a character I think that I recognize the most as being associated with Keith Giffen, and that is Lobo. But I knew who Lobo was, couldn't really escape him in the 90s, <laughs> right. but I, I didn't pick up a whole lot of Lobo issues at all and read too much. Uh, I think we covered him on, I covered a few things on source material about Lobo, but anyway, so Keith Giffen, plotter and storyteller of Super Patriot number one, penciled and inked by Dave Johnson, lettered by Chris Eliopoulos and colored by Laverne Kidzierski. Yeah, I was still into comics at this point. I did not get uh, the Super Patriot issues. It most likely only because the convenience store near my house probably didn't get these uh, mm-hmm. comics. So you know, I've, I've worked at a comic shop locally here for a while, and like going back probably 
eight to 10 years ago, I was working like every Saturday. It's like, I was just the, the clerk there on Saturdays running the shop and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty slow most of the time on Saturdays. So I read a lot of comics while I was there and I would just, <laughs> sometimes I would just dig through, sometimes I would grab a trade off the shelf. Sometimes I would dig through the dollar boxes and, and put a, a series together. And one of the times I did that was uh, the super Patriot series. I found all the four issues and read them one Saturday. And you know, that was probably eight years ago. I don't remember a whole lot about it other than I thought it was pretty cool especially because that was a gap I had. I always wanted to read those and I went back and did it at that point. Uh, but at yeah. the time in the nineties, no, I wasn't, uh, I was a big Savage Dragon guy, but I never read this book back then. If I could afford it, I would get anything that had, uh, or was associated with the Savage Dragon. And I knew Super Patriot was associated with Savage Dragon specifically because of the trade that you were talking about of the, or I should say the, the uh, miniseries. Um, I knew he was part of that. So I kind of always kept my eye open for that. So I'm pretty certain I picked this at least the first issue up off the cell, the shelf. I do not have, I don't have the whole series. You know, I was doing the same thing with like Freak Force. Oh my goodness. What was the alien's name? Um, uh, Vanguard. Vanguard. Picking up, yeah, you know, I, I was picking up those, uh, early issues of those two books. But yeah, if you could describe what Super Patriot looks like, and <laughs> if you have an idea as to what his backstory is, feel free to, to, you know, let us know uh, what your knowledge is. Before this iteration of Super Patriot, Super Patriot in the Savage Dragon uh, universe, uh, he was a 40s era character. He was kind of a Captain America character, part of a group along with Glory, who was like the Wonder Woman Echo, basically, as Rob Liefeld would call it, (laughs) and and Die Hard. They were members of a group called the Allies, which was kind of like the Invaders for Marvel and kind of like the JSA, I guess, for DC. So they fought uh, the Nazis in World War II and whatnot. And then he grew old, as people do. And uh, mm-hmm. his original costume, uh, when he first appears in Savage Dragon number one, it's part of a news telecast. It's like he, he's it's kind of a generic patriotic superhero costume. It's kind of like it's got a cape. And it's like a white suit with like a big eagle on the chest. Almost like you would think of like what you would see a patriotic character in like a superhero RPG guidebook or something. Right. I got you. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I feel you there. And so this news report comes on uh, in that issue telling about how he was attacked. His arms and legs were like crushed beyond repair and he was in critical condition like in the hospital or whatever. He was revived by Cyberdata, which was the, the uh, group that appeared in Cyberforce. Right. So a lot of the DC, we'll see Shaft appear in this issue. And it's always cool, like in those early image books, when they have that shared universe element where like Cyberforce characters are appearing in, in Dragon, Youngblood characters are appearing in Wildcats and all that stuff. Uh, so that was kind of a cool element. But yeah, his his appearance in this, uh, you know, after Cyberdata gets done with him is he's uh, essentially, he's got like a flag covering his face with a couple of like eyepieces sticking through, like he's, his face is completely covered. And then his arms and legs are just metallic, you know, cyborg arms and legs basically. And he's got a big old star for a cod piece on his shorts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he does. <laughs> and he's got a white ponytail sticking out, kind of showing his age there. I guess he'd be in his sixties at this point. Yeah. It looks like a gun for an arm. I assume right. it can be, it, it can change into different things. I say you're on the right track where his arms kind of can shift and they're kind of like uh, you think of like how the Transformers there you uh, go. In, in the Michael Bay movies, you know, right. sometimes their limbs would kind of transform and adjust and create blasters and stuff out of their arms. That's kind of how Super Patriot was. Like he he could uh, change his arms, he could sprout extra guns from his back, from his legs, whatever. Uh, he was just basically a, a human war machine. 
That synopsis is coming up, but first let me talk about Amazon Music. If you're looking for a good platform that can fill those musical needs, Amazon Music has you covered. If you head to getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network, you can get a free 30-day trial where you can check out over 70 million songs. That's getamazonmusic.com slash W, the number 2M Network, for that free 30-day trial. All right, so we open up this first issue in an undisclosed wooded location where we are told that a total of 47 people were killed. And I put in, I don't remember if it's specific here, but I think they mentioned the Klan, like as as in like the Ku Klux Klan, they were the ones that were staked uh, to these crosses and burnt, a total of 47 of them mm. um, being Could nailed to crosses. Guys. <laughs> being nailed to crosses and lit on fire. Uh, They leave a tapestry. Imagine this. There's this cross has this tapestry on it with their symbol. Uh, So these two detectives show up. They're trying to figure out what's going on. They're like, okay, obviously the clan has ended up on the wrong side of somebody. (laughs) Who in the world could do this? So we soon learn that a terrorist group called the Covenant of the Sword was behind the killings. Now we cut to the Pentagon where Shaft of Youngblood is in a lab where he is checking up on an experiment that involves a man who has volunteered that appears to have been turned into a cyborg. Shaft is horrified, but we soon learn this is Super Patriot, and the government intends to use him as a weapon against the Covenant. The only problem is, during simulations, Super Patriot tends to shut down whenever a superhuman element is introduced into combat by replacing the image with that of the Savage Dragon. You know, we have Super Patriot, who is this deadly war machine, but as soon as he sees, like, somebody that has superhuman powers for some reason, whatever the computer or something, maybe it's his, his self, replaces that person with Savage Dragon and then shuts down. But the government is adamant about getting Super Patriot out into the field. And we then cut to a woman arriving at her bungalow, finding a closet and inputting a code and descending down to a Covenant hideout. She has a conversation with what happens to be uh, a head attached to a misshapen cyborg body. <laughs> Ugh, this, was, this was disturbing. Kind of shades of the new mutants. Is it Cameron Hodge? Yeah, Cameron Hodge. Is it Cameron Hodge? Okay, yeah, because Cameron Hodge, like, that was the, uh, what were were we talking about at that point? Extinction Agenda? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, we covered that. That was way back. That's a callback. That was one of the first uh, handful of episodes, yeah. Yeah, it was. Here we have this lady talking to this head with this, just just a bunch of cyborg parts off of it. And they're expecting the government's response to attack them with a superhuman. So they know that the government knows they're out there they're going to be sending somebody or something to try and eliminate the covenant of the sword as as a threat so now we're at an island in the caribbean and super patriot emerges from the sea heading for a covenant hideout however he is immediately attacked by a superhuman working for the covenant as the powerhouse approaches him all super patriot can see is the savage dragon and he appears to be unable to act Uh, and that is the end of the first issue of getting things set up that's what a first issue is supposed to do we get an idea of of who this hero is supposed to be in this book. We get an idea of what the potential villain or the villainous organization is. Then we have our problem where Super Patriot tends to shut down 
like I said, it's been a while since I read the rest of this series, but I've read that Savage Dragon trade probably 50 times. <laughs> so Super Patriot is injured badly, uh, revived by Cyberdata. When he comes back and appears again in the Savage Dragon book in issue number two, Dragon is fighting the Super Freaks, part of the Vicious Circle, the, the bad guys of the series. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, it's a hostage situation, uh, like at a mall, I think, and he's trying to fight these Super Freaks off. And then Super Patriot bursts through a wall and starts blowing these super freaks away because I think they were the ones who like nearly killed him uh, before. He's kind of gone rogue, like he's not supposed to be there. He kind of escaped from Cyberdata when this happened. He kills one of the freaks and injures the other two, and then Dragon tries to stop him, and then they start to tussle because Super Patriot thinks Dragon is another member of the Vicious Circle. So he beats up on Dragon, and then Dragon like knocks him unconscious, and then... Super Patriot's body, like, almost independent because he's still unconscious, but his body, like, walks him back to Cyberdata. And nobody nobody tries to stop him because they don't know what to, what's going on or what to do about it. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of, I think, the origin of his fear or whatever, his psychological block uh, with Dragon is... Dragon had defeated him like pretty recently, and now he's got this psychological issue with superhumans. I got you. So the trade you have there in front of you, uh, or the trade that you have, do you have there with you? Yeah, I got it. Okay, I'm curious. What's the what? What's the copyright uh, date? Um, the trade is or I should say publication ninety three, but I believe all the issues came out in ninety two. Yeah. I, well, okay. So the trade came out in ninety three. I was just curious if like. You had like a later trade somehow that might have had Bedrock's name changed to Bad Rock oh, in it or something. <laughs> he, he is still Bedrock in issue number three. The I'm change had not come through. Uh, so I would imagine they would have changed that for the trade of it if the name change had gone through by that point. But I guess it's not. I, I think it happened that. during the uh, the gap that I had there because I think when I was when I got out of it, I think he was still Bedrock. But then when I came back, I was like, why are they calling him Bedrock now? That's weird. I think it was mostly just concerns over a possible lawsuit. I don't think it was. Yeah, I don't the, think Flint, the Flintstones were coming. Hanna-Barbera. What year did the Flintstones movie come out? Ooh, that's a good question. That's what we got the internet I, for. I, I was thinking it was like 93 or 4. So maybe because of the movie coming out, maybe that's what. Yeah, Flintstones movie came out in 94. Name change. Upon Youngblood's <laughs> debut, the character's name was originally Bedrock with his catchphrase, Yabba Dabba Doom. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about that. Wow. <laughs> but legal pressure forced Liefeld to change the name to Badrock to avoid confusion with the Flintstones town. This was parodied during a television report seen in Spawn number 12. Oh, I'll have to go look that up <laughs> at some point. Um, yeah, it doesn't have the date. Uh, it doesn't have the date and when that happened. But I think you're you're right. It had to have been right around that that part of time. Actually, Spawn number 12. We could probably narrow it down to that. Uh, let, let me take a look and see when Spawn number 12 came out. So that I had to have been like 93, right? I would think, but I don't know because of how long. I, I assume Spawn was like most of the other Image comics where they were always late. So it may have <laughs> taken a year and a half or two years for those 12 inches to come out. I'm not sure. Spawn number 12. Just taking a look here. You'll know that iconic cover. That's got the Spawn spawn totem or token on one side and then the chapel on the other and the bullet hole right through the spawn token where this is where you find out that chapel was the one that killed uh simmons so spawn number 12 came out according to this 1994 so right about hey that all lines up dude because just like you said the flintstones movie released in 
94. And so you're probably right. Can we talk art real quick? Because, yeah, I mean, sure. off the top of my head, I don't think I know much of Dave Johnson's work. So this might be the first thing that I've seen his name attached to. Do you recognize his name at all? I guess uh, I'm mostly familiar with his name as a cover artist. I think that's mostly what he does now. That's that's where my head's at anyway. I'm not I'm not certain about that. But uh, okay. I think this is the only interior work I've ever seen of his is this Super Patriot series. Um, but for some reason, I'm thinking he do- he mostly does covers now. I like his work quite a bit. It's, it's really good. Yeah, it, I'll kind of read this from the letters page. It's the stars and gripes. <laughs> <laughs> I met Dave Johnson. This is Eric, I believe. Yeah, Eric's talking here. I met Dave Johnson at the big San Diego convention and was bowled over by his artwork. When I put together the Super Patriot comic, Dave's name was on the top of my list. When he agreed to do it, I was thrilled. And when the art came in for the first issue, I was floored. He took Keith's plots and expanded on them. His manga-inspired artwork gave Super Patriot a whole new and exciting look, putting my version to shame. So, manga-inspired. Did you get that feel from this? I read that as well today when I was kind of going over, like kind of thumbing through the book again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I did not get that sense. Me either, <laughs> I'm man. not really I'm... a manga guy, so... When I think yeah. manga-inspired, I think like Joe Mad, maybe even a little bit Humberto Ramos. But I don't get that vibe from this. But, I mean, Larson knows better than I do. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I'm right there with you. The only... Uh, what could I take from this comic and say that it was it was definitely inspired by that? <laughs> and the only thing that I could really take was like there's some action sequences that and maybe how that's laid out. Like just for example, let's talk uh, or I'll point you to the page where it's. Super Patriots arrived on the island. He's getting attacked. There's a second page where it kind of looks like there's some letters behind him and he's kind of jumping forward at the reader trying to escape whatever the explosion is that's behind him. I mean, maybe some of the action sequences... I, I did cover some manga on the source material at one point. And that was, have you ever heard of Vinland Saga? It's a good book. And I would say that I remember if I was to compare the two, uh, this book and that book, I would say the similarities are definitely the action sequences. But, you know, when I think manga in regards to like characters, characters in the face and stuff like that, as far as characters look, I don't get a manga feel at all. You're right. <laughs> Eric Larson knows more than us. And I'll agree. I'll agree with you there. I have no problem saying that he's the artist and I'm not, you know, just from what I've seen in my past. I'm like, well, okay, all right. If it's manga, it's manga. I'll, I'll take your word for it. But yeah, I mean, as you know, some far as the early, especially the first couple of pages with the the shadowy, you know, forest with the crime scene with all the, the crosses and stuff and the detectives, it looks kind of like a Batman the Animated series almost style because you got the the really broad shouldered detective and you got the uh, the shadows uh, overlaying the characters and stuff. That's I, I kind of get that vibe, but only really from that opening sequence. And then some of the other stuff with like when he's in the Pentagon and Shaft is there and there's all the machinery, mm-hmm. all the super detailed like machinery and stuff. It looks kind of like almost Perez-like, but only really just in like all the detail and stuff. Nothing yeah. else stylistically really is, is like Perez. But but yeah, a lot of, I could see a lot of time getting put into those pages. <laughs> right. I'll tell you, this this lab guy, he's pretty freaky. <laughs> yeah. He's got like batteries. It looks like batteries. I know it's not, but he's got like stuff sticking out of the back of his head that says like yeah, 100 gigabyte. And I can't tell if that, that's supposed to be like powering the goggles that he's wearing <laughs> or if it's like, or, or if those are like stuck in the back implants. of a skull right, right. yeah because <laughs> initially i thought there was like implants but then like well, maybe there, there's wires connected to those goggles maybe there's like a power sword I, I don't know i'm assuming they're implants of some kind yeah. 
I know we talked to maybe it was in the dragon issue that we covered the cover to the sword. We th- they're an, an organization that also overlap into some other image books, right? Am I wrong about that? No, I think you're right because uh, as a matter of fact, I'll pull it up here and take a look. I think they're probably a, a Larson creation because I know that they pop up in a lot of the dragon uh, storylines. I think, but uh, it seems like they popped up in other image books as well. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll read from the wikis. Covenant of the Sword is a fictional covert organi- organization bent on global domination, appearing in the Image universe as created by Eric Larson. Although appearing in Larson's flagship title, Savage Dragon, the Covenant also appeared in a number of Extreme Studios comics by Rob Liefeld, most notably Bloodstrike and Bad Rock. You remember how Savage Dragon hooked up with Rapture and oh, yeah. you know, they, became a, they became a thing. When the Savage Dragon's unborn child kicked its mother, Rapture, the baby who had inherited its father's super strength caused internal damage, forcing Rapture to go into premature labor. By the time the dragon ra- arrived on the scene, the baby had been delivered and apparently died. In reality, however, the baby had been stolen by the Covenant of the Sword and oh, replaced yeah. by a drone to fool its parents. <laughs> well, Maybe that would be Malcolm's dragon. Yeah. Well, let me take a look here real quick just to see if anything else stands out here that I kind of wanted to talk about. I didn't have a whole lot of notes on it. I mean, it was like I I said, it was about a third of the issue. It seems like is just Super Patriot murdering, you know, the the enemy soldiers, which is awesome. But uh, first in a simulation and then on the beach in the actual uh, fight at the end. Does he even say a word? I don't think the super. I don't, pa- I don't believe, think super patriot does. I don't believe so. No, I don't. I kind of looking through, flipping through again. I don't see him. No, he's just a mindless automaton almost. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The I think that's what the government had kind of like put their bets on. Was like, oh, you know, we're just going to send this person out. He's going to do our bidding, and you know, he's not going to think twice about it. And clearly, that's kind of what's happening here when he's got to face this other superpowered being. There's something that is still alive inside of him that's making him see things not the way they should be but anyway i'm sure that's going to get resolved in issues two and three and (laughs) or the rest of the rest of the series so do you got a panel here that you really liked you know there are a lot of really cool panels and there are two at least two full play full page uh splash panels that are easy pickings (laughs) i'm gonna go with the first one which is super patriot is kind of flying over some it's, this is part of the simulation he's kind of flying over a couple of the enemy soldiers and both of his arms are transformed into different types of uh, weapons and he's blowing one in half with a big laser cannon and the other one has got a bunch of like mini gun like mini cannons on it kind of blowing the other guy away pretty uh striking i like the kind of a staple of the dragon uh, universe is the sound effects where there's just like if there's like machine gun fire or some kind of laser fire or something you see these columns of the same right. sound effect over and over and over uh, and that's a really cool uh, effect and they make good use of it here i like it that's a good one Oh, man, I'm looking at that one page of dragon just punching <laughs> him into the stomach in the stomach and well, actually possibly punching him through the stomach yeah. because there is fabric and stuff. Blo- it looks like a holes being punched through. Right. And that kind is a, I mean, all that. Turns, uh, yeah, dude, it's in the background. It's all, yeah, cool. it's all blue, black and, and like shades of blue, shades of white, sh- shades of black. That's pretty. That's pretty sick. Well, OK. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing else that's going to top the Savage Dragon <laughs> punching Super Patriot through the stomach. I think that page is almost poster worthy right there, brother. 
that's good looking stuff. It's simple. You know what's going on. And this is almost like this is prime image right here. This is, oh, yeah. you you know, it's it's simple. There's destruction. There's blood. There's guts. People losing limbs. And it's it's a lot of gunfire. And then, you know, we're, like I said, we're just kind of setting up the rest. Yeah. Racism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They got there, sir. They yeah. definitely got theirs. Wow. Um, all right. Well, anything else you want to talk about before we get to closing up shop? Uh, anything else uh, uh, on your mind? Not really on this specific issue. I liked it. Uh, I kind of want to go back and read the rest of the series again because I like this one quite a bit. Uh, there's also a Super Patriot miniseries by Robert Kirkman from the mid to late 2000s, I think. You are correct because it. it's on Hoopla. I, so I'm going to read that sometime soon, probably. But I mean, obviously, Invincible kind of brought Super Patriot back to the forefront um, sure. a little bit. So, yeah, a lot of dragon characters kind of, a lot of just image characters in general just pop up in throughout the Invincible run. So, mm-hmm. Corey Walker, I think, is the artist. He was the original Invincible artist. I think he worked on that Super Patriot series with Kirkman and the Science Dog special. Oh, yeah, that's. <laughs> That's really cool. I, at a con, I picked up the Science Dog uh, hardcover edition, and it was really cheap. I don't. I guess maybe they overproduced it or something. Uh, nice. That's a really cool book, though. But yeah, uh, one other thing about uh, Super Patriot, I guess that Youngblood Strike File, the first three issues of that book, it was a flip book, kind of like Marvel Comics Presents, and the I guess the original Youngblood issue one was also a flip book. But Strike File one through three. One side was a Die Hard story that Liefeld himself did the art on. Die Hard was basically trying to rescue Super Patriot because he knew Cyberdata had him and was trying to control him and stuff. So it was like a rescue op. Uh, Super Patriot was fighting him off. And that's some of my favorite Liefeld art from that era. I know we've talked a lot about how people hate Liefeld or whatever. I'm still a big fan. <laughs> and uh, and that's a really uh, good example of, of Liefeld in that era. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the flip book was a J. Lee was the artist on a chapel story. And, uh, but anyway, uh, that, that, uh, super Patriot diehard, uh, story was really cool. Or when I think, uh, comic book cyborgs, I instantly think Deathlock. So I was kind of surprised it didn't get more votes right. <laughs> in our poll. I've just started reading some through like dollar bin diving and stuff at cons and, and comic shops. I've actually recently completed a run of the nineties Deathlock book that I'm, I'm wanting to get into. Uh, cause oh, yeah. I had the action figure when I was a kid, which was awesome. Cause you could slide, the, the plate up and it revealed his brain. Oh, it was nice. A really cool feature for a, a toy when I was a kid. But yeah, Deathlock's cool character and also the Cyborg Superman uh, was really cool. It would have been fun to talk about any of those uh, books, you know, but Super Patriot t- uh, wins the day and it was, uh, it was worth uh, examining for sure. I noticed this piece of trivia when I was looking through, oh, I want to say it was probably Image Fandom or whatever, one of the, one of the websites, but it, it is on, it's actually on the uh, Wikipedia for Super Patriot as well. And I wanted to make sure I mentioned this because I'm sure a lot of people already know this who are listening to the podcast. But if you didn't know, the idea for Super Patriot almost, almost made its way into Marvel Comics. Mm. And oh, right. They, at some point, uh, Larson and Fabian Nicieza, Nicieza. Uh, it says here they made a pitch for the new X Factor series, uh, which ended up getting given to Peter David instead. Uh, but the team that they had envisioned had the Super Patriot on it. Uh, but there was another character that ended up, since he didn't get that, they ended up bringing another character that was similar. Eric Larson brought in a character called Cyborg X. 
into, oh, that's right. into Spider-Man. So I wanted to look at Cyborg X because that. Oh, you can see the similarities for sure. <laughs> really? Okay. I want to see this Cyborg X. Oh, hey, there's a 2016 Cyborg X movie. Is that a Marvel adaptation? Uh, I do not <laughs> believe so. <laughs> Can't swear to it. Cyborg X was part of the Revenge of the Sinister Six uh, story, which is one of those six-issue series that I read over and over and over as a kid. Uh, it was Larson's uh, six issues on the Spider-Man, adjectiveless Spider-Man title. Uh, and that is where the cyborg Spider-Man comes from, where he's got a wow. like, metal arm and the thing over his eye where uh, he basically had been had the crab eaten out of him. And this scientist put this metal arm over his broken arm to make it heal faster. But he looked like a cyborg, like when he wakes up from being unconscious for a while. So it's a very cool look. There's a figure of it now, I think. But yeah, I think that's where Cyborg X comes from. I'm looking at him. Yeah, I could see definitely the similarities, especially in the eyes, just like you were talking yeah. about there, like the goggles, sort of. That X4 or the X Factor pitch he did, uh, I believe a few other... Like Horridus, I think, was in, in that group image. Maybe Rapture. It looked like a lot. It basically looked like a Freak Force team photo, uh, if I remember uh, correctly. There may well, have I been a few Marvel characters in there, too. But Yeah, CBR.com. Comic Book Legends revealed. Status true. This was Super Patriot. What looks to be. Is that Havoc? I'll bet it was. Yeah, I haven't I, I haven't looked at that image in a while, but that sounds right. Yeah. So Hortus is there. All right, oh, so look at Pyro. Pyro. Thank you for yeah. Pete's sake. Couldn't remember the dude's name. Um, so I guess I thought the big green girl was Rapture, but that must have been maybe that's Polaris. But I don't remember her being huge like that. Green hair. Who else has green hair in <laughs> X Factor? That was definitely Polaris. And I assume that's Havoc or Havoc, yeah, I think so. however, however you want to say that. But. <laughs> This would be a good time to plug a sponsor of the W2M Network, and that is Grammarly. For you, the listeners of Unspoken Issues, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W, the number two, M network to download Grammarly for free. This has been fun. We, we had a chance to talk about Super Patriot. Let's get into plugs. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at BrodyMan34. Okay, very good. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, make sure to go check out The Unspoken Decade. We're in affiliation with the best 90s comics website around, unspokendecade.com. All sorts of articles over there on some of the great 90s comics that are out there. Unspoken Issues Facebook page, Unspoken Issues podcast Facebook page. Listen, what we try to do is we try to put out polls out there so you can dictate the kind of content that we are going to cover. And this is an exact result of that. The people have spoken and said it was <laughs> going to be Super Patriot number one, and that is what we did. So uh, every once in a while, you can hop on there and interact with us and, and definitely uh, let your voice be heard. So please feel free to uh, come on over and talk about whatever you want there. As long as it's in regards to 90s comics, we're going to love you. You know, you can follow me at Stiznarkey on Twitter. I do a show over on the Rattelichen Broadcasting Network. The uh, comic book podcast that I do is called Source Material Comics Podcast, and we are coming up. It won't be long. Uh, we're going to be coming up on episode 300 over there. Uh, we mm. have, yeah, I don't know what Man I'm going to do. I know. I don't know what I'm going to do. 
I can tell you that on the way to 300, we have a four episode epic of Spider Verse. So oh, it is, yeah. yeah, it's myself and Benjamin J. Cologne, uh, who put in probably about three and a half hours to four hours on Spider Verse. Check that out. Uh, other than that, I think that will be it for Chris Armstrong. I'm Jesse Starcher. We'll be talking to you soon. Have a good one. Bye bye. Thank you all for joining us. Make sure to give that Rattlich in Broadcasting Facebook page a like to stay up on top of all the great podcasts we have to offer. We are at home on Spreaker, but you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and recently we have hit the air on Spotify. Find your favorite podcast platform and type in R-A-D-U-L-I-C-H to subscribe for some great content. If you enjoyed this show, please feel free to share and spread the word. And as always, we appreciate any feedback and look forward to entertaining you again soon.